um, because we never really had the courage to have the more difficult debate about how we can increase and fund more medical places within our universities. Right. Yeah. And this is constant short termism and, and immigration is a get out of jail free card, which comes with the added bonus for the new elite. Because if you question it or you challenge it, you can just shut down the debate by calling anybody and everybody a racist. So you're never forced into challenging and confronting this broken economy because, you know, the social um, norms and the, and, and, and the, and the social language is, is set up in a way that any opposition can be the upper middle class chief of a mid-size NGO the same as a hedge fund millionaire? Are they both elite? Are they part of the same elite? And what does it matter? Well, nearly all politics in the West today is anti-elitist. The flavor of anti-elitism differs according to the picture of elite that is painted, but basically we're all populists now. So the question of who is the elite is pertinent, to say the least. British professor Matt Goodwin has created a fair deal of controversy over the past months through his claims as to what and who the new elite are. This new elite is held to dominate public life, leading institutions, and the culture industry in Britain and across the wider Western world. Are they the real elite? What makes them an elite? And in what terms should they be opposed? Welcome to BungaCast, the global politics podcast at the end of the end of history. My name is Alex Hochuli in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and this podcast is also Philip Cunliffe and George Hoare in the UK. In this episode, Philip Cunliffe talks to his former colleague, Matt Goodwin from the University of Kent, offering Matt the chance to answer his critics while putting several of these pointed questions to Matt in return. Just a quick note before I hand you over. We had a technical issue in the recording of this episode that we only realized afterwards. The sound quality is not up to scratch. It should still be listenable, but please do accept our apologies. Future episodes should be fine. Okay, enjoy the interview. So, Matt, welcome to the pod. It's great to have you on. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, hello to all of your listeners. It's good to be having this uh, timely conversation. So before we talk about the book, um, we've recently had local elections in Britain in which the ruling Tory party have received an exceptional drubbing, losing over a thousand seats and losing control of a swathe of local authorities. I was wondering if you could give us a brief overview of the results and your read of them. Yeah, so the first thing to say is, uh, as any seasoned political analyst will tell you, take local elections with a big pinch of salt. Their predictive power is not as strong as some of our academic colleagues would have you believe. But nonetheless, were these elections to be applied to a national context, then the Labour Party finished about eight points ahead in the national vote. So 
enough to emerge as the largest party at the next general election, albeit without a majority. Uh, the Conservatives, meanwhile, finished on around 25-26% of the national vote, which would be one of their lowest in, in recent history. But crucially, the Conservatives are now being hit on two flanks simultaneously. They are losing support in the southern more affluent middle-class areas to Labour or the Liberal Democrats. Um, And they are also now losing support in the most strongly pro-Brexit areas of the country, including in Northern England. So my argument is is one that I, I also make in the book, which is that today's Conservative Party is now watching the post-Brexit electorate that it put together essentially be blown apart. And I think this speaks to the failure of conservatism to embrace and uh, really respond to the people who have been voting for it since 2016. And I know we'll get into a lot of that, but essentially we're heading towards a Labour government. Yeah, that's... um... I mean, yeah, I suppose that was my read of the situation and everything you say makes sense. Um, We'll talk a bit more directly about the new elite and how that factors into Labour Party politics and um, appeals to various constituencies. Um, But before we do that, I was wondering if you could lay out for us why you think um, the rest of the world should care about British politics in particular. Now, I raise it because, you know, you often hear this argument that since Britain's vote for Brexit, and given its relative economic decline, it's essentially, you know, kind of, um, or increasingly at least irrelevant to the rest of the world. So why should, you know, what is what is it about what's happening in Britain that matters to the larger world? Well, I think for listeners who are not in Britain, a lot of what is taking place here really does have global implications. Firstly, we're talking about a country that is grappling with how to respond to the rise of political rebellions um, that we often refer to as populism, but but which are reflected in rebellions taking place around the world, uh, from Donald Trump to Georgia Maloney in Italy. So there is a question here about how do Western democracies respond to these political insurgents? And what lessons can we draw from that? I think, secondly, Britain matters because conservatism is going through a period of reinvention around the around the world whether you look at France Italy America um, Australia we're all having a very similar debate about what is left and right but what is conservatism in the aftermath of the 2010s um, where is this ideology going how is it changing and I think we, we've also got a parallel discussion around the future of the centre-left. Now, if we'd had this conversation maybe five years ago, ten years ago, we'd be much more sceptical, perhaps, about social democracy and centre-left politics. But what we can see, I think, in Britain is a centre-left party that, you know, if we're right and we are heading into some kind of Labour-led coalition or Labour majority, then that is also going to go down in history as one of the most impressive electoral recoveries that has basically ever happened. I mean, at the last general election, as some of your listeners will will remember, Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party were reduced to their worst results since 1935. The fact that we're even talking 
about the possibility of a Labour government next year is a remarkable story in politics. And I think it speaks to the broader question of how centre-left parties can get back on track. And intertwined with all of that is this story, ultimately, about the ruling class that has come fundamentally unstuck from the rest of the country that surrounds it. And that debate is a global debate. And we'll get into the the more intellectual side of that in in a second. But I don't think anybody who is a serious observer or analyst of contemporary politics can look at Britain and not see parallels with debates that are taking place in every Western democracy. Yeah, no, that's that's great stuff. So to get to the meat of the the issue and the core of the thesis, so who or what is the new elite, and can you describe a tic- typical figure from this elite for us? Yeah, so so essentially, what I've tried to do in the book is explain why Britain has ended up here. What is it that's happened over the last? half century that can really explain all of this political turbulence, which really culminated in what I've basically referred to as a trilogy of political revolts. You get the the rise of Nigel Farage and populism between really 2004 and 2014. You then get the big vote for Brexit in 2016. You then get the rise of Boris Johnson and what we thought at the time was a realigned conservatism which breaks down Labour's red wall and becomes very successful at the 2019 general election. So why did this happen? My argument in a nutshell is that what we have seen in Britain and many other Western democracies is the rise of a group that I call the new elite. They are elite university graduates, uh, in Britain's case, from Oxbridge, Oxford or Cambridge, from Russell Group Universities. They tend to have parents in the managerial professional classes. They tend to come from families that are economically secure, if not affluent. They tend to live in the big cities and the university towns where increasingly the the elite graduate class um, congregate. They tend to marry other members of that class. They tend to work in professional, managerial or creative positions. Um, They tend to uh, work alongside other Uh, graduates who look like them, come from similar backgrounds, have similar values. But crucially, unlike an earlier elite that I I suspect we'll also talk about, the new elite have basically spent the last decade or so drifting very strongly to the cultural left. Well, hello, listener. I hope you like what you're hearing. It's a short excerpt from an episode that's available only to subscribers. Want to support BungaCast and get at least two original episodes a month? Sign up at patreon.com slash BungaCast right now. $5 a month patrons get access to exclusive episodes like our in-depth analyses of present history. You know, the big stuff that's happening right now. As well as chats with our regular guests, extended interviews with the key thinkers trying to understand our world today, and much more. For $10 a month, you join the BungaCast Reading Club the place for those of us who are serious about equipping ourselves with the necessary intellectual tools for understanding the world and seeking to change it. Phil, George, and myself, Alex, look forward to seeing you there. Patreon.com slash BungaCast. Yeah, so 